Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. How are you now? Broadcasting from the VFS studios at Milsons Point, Sydney. You are listening to the all-new VIP show, Season 5. Episode 9, don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all the financial information in this show is general in nature. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. If you don't understand what general advice is, go and look it up. Uh, I've told you once, I've told you twice, I will tell you three times. Uh, Speaking of which, my name is James Whelan. I'm the investment manager here at VFS Group. Uh, Paul Colgan, I think, has got back from Davos. He's just working his way through customs. Uh, uh, But we'll get to him uh, later on. This episode is being recorded in Sydney it is 11.09 a.m. on the 2nd of September, 2022 A.D. Phones on silent, please. We will continue to remain unsponsored until uh, a time comes when we can find a sponsor that is uh, is acceptable to all anonymous people on Twitter. Actually, the new sponsor that we've got, Steve's Blindfold Archery. Try Blindfold Archery today. You don't know what you're missing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show rate us and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Today's guest is best-selling author and trading mentor Louise Bedford, co-founder at The Trading Game. Louise, how are you now? Oh, fantastic. It's great to be on the show. Okay. Now let's get straight into it. Uh, Everyone gets the same question, so you're going to get the same question. What do you do and how do you make money? So I'm a share trader. I'm a best-selling author. I'm the co-founder of tradinggame.com.au and I'm the host of talkingtrading.com.au, which is another podcast, James. That's why we've bonded two podcast hosts together. I love it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that's good. So, so that, that, that goes in. So specifically with the um, you mentor people uh, subscription package, we, we can get to that later on, but that's, that's, that's how money is made. Now, you've got a, a few good ideas. First off, I know I don't think I'm going to be able to do the market wrap. I do apologize, Chris Robertson. I was going to do the market wrap with you uh, and not now. You can tell that I've had like eight coffees this morning, can't you? I'm talking a million miles a minute. But uh, look, I'm, we're all getting there. It's a Friday. It's been a pretty hefty Friday. Uh, so if we could just do a little bit of a market wrap of exactly what's been going on this week. What's your take on markets this week and going forward? Keep in mind that this is being recorded on the Friday before a pretty important non-farm payrolls figure out tonight. So anything tomorrow or onwards might be invalidated by that. But broadly speaking, what's your take on markets at the moment, Louise? Sure. Look, I'm going with a very controversial aspect here because everybody's saying the markets are so volatile, the markets are so volatile. However, when I look at the markets around the world and definitely across every sector in the Australian market, the market volatility is dropping. So that is interesting because we always like as traders to have a very clear trend, either up or down or sideways, and we like lower volatility so that we don't don't get pipped out of our positions by our stop loss being hit too soon. Mm. So I'm curious about your thoughts, James. I know that there have been a lot of things happening in the markets. We're certainly at a fulcrum of the seesaw, a bit of a juncture here. It is definitely in a technical downtrend. We've just picked above for the All Lords, our 30-week moving average, but we have thrown a candlestick reversal pattern, which is suggesting inherent weakness. What are your thoughts, James? 
Uh, yep, as you know, I mostly follow the overseas markets. I consider that the S&P 500 traditionally is weak in August and September. I don't know how many times I said that during August. Truth be told, though, I could say it as much as I want. Did I follow my own advice on that? August was a really was a strong month coming off the back of a very strong July as well. Then what we had was the non-pivot by Powell. The media and everyone who was talking in the commentary did seem to build up the market to be in such a manner that it thought that maybe there would be a bit of a switcheroo, a bit of an easing uh, from the Fed and the market to be able to continue on its merry way. Absolutely did not come to fruition at all. It seems like it's a whatever it takes to be able to get inflation down. And if that means that jobs get hit, uh, if that means that uh, US households do suffer, and, the, and, and that is almost specifically what was mentioned, then that's going to be whatever it takes. It means, though, that the better the data is out for jobs numbers, the better the data is out for manufacturing, the better the data is out for anything, it's actually now worse. So we're in a good news is bad news scenario for the US. The more inclined to raise rates. People are saying it's a jumbo raise, which I really hate that term, but 75 basis points by the Fed in September uh, is being almost half factored into the market now, almost completely. It is negative for obviously those growth stocks and everything that's there. So did I take my advice in, in August? I sort of did thin out a little bit of portfolios uh, heading into the Fed conversation. Definitely not enough cash on the sidelines, but the problem with running super fund money is that you can't really go all cash because you need to stay invested. It's just a matter of what you're staying invested in. Still hesitant to be charging into the bonds market too hastily um, with the idea that if rates are going to continue to go up, then the, the actual capital depreciation of that investment not so amazing. There will be a time to load up in bonds. That may not be right now. Then we had the Fed. Uh, we had the Fed non-pivot, and the market has obviously seen a bit of a hit. We've seen September start and September start on a pretty weak uh, situation. August and September in midterm years are traditionally, and we've got seventy-one years of data in front of us here, are traditionally negative months. I see no reason why September won't be a negative month, and even more so if the market is already in an offish pattern, which, as you said, we are in a bearish condition at the moment. So uh, no reason to be charging in. However, October and November are amazingly bullish months in midterm years, and that is very much a midterm year. We're going to see China come out of its shell in after the People's Congress in October, and people are going to be bidding up things into that, like iron ore, like copper as well, which is a sensational buy. We're going to see our market potentially be an amazing screaming buy sometimes towards maybe the third week in September is when I want to make sure that I am as invested as reasonably uh, reasonably possible for clients. And that's where I'm taking it. But absolutely no, no real enthusiasm for me to charge into this market at the moment. Well, James, I might just keep you to that strategy. I think it is a good idea to look into the future and imagine what can happen, but also to make sure that you have your trading plan set in place so that you have specifics about what is happening in the market right now. So some of the aspects that you could look at in terms of trading. So if the market takes a big hit in the US, often our market will respond in kind. We know that. So if you have an entry, perhaps scheduled for the Monday, Perhaps if the market has taken a dive in the US over our weekend, you could leave your entry until Tuesday to see how that washes out, especially for a weekly system. The other thing to consider is to keep your trailing stops tight because at the moment, currently with volatility low, you can actually move your stops quite close to price action. Yeah. And that is a very practical way, firstly, to get in with a bigger position 
in the beginning because without tight stop you can have a bigger position but also for your trailing stops there's no problem with having a slightly tighter trailing stop at the moment you could choose something like three ATR, average true range, instead of five ATR, which is a more traditional medium term type of stop. So it's good to have the ideas about what can happen in the future, but also to work out how practically you can apply that knowledge right now in today's market. Yeah, not, uh, not, uh, not too bad on the, uh, on the ideas there, being able to tighten up the stops. I'm surprised that volatility isn't a little bit higher, just, just sort of quietly. It, it could go much higher, but you're right on those ones. That they are, uh, the... I am too. I mean, if we have a look at the all odds right now, I'm having a look at a weekly chart of the all odds. Of course, I've got my darling's candlesticks on there because I love candlesticks. We've currently got a, a 2.75% average true range volatility percentage. So what that means is that the all odds is only going up or down on average, based on the last 30 weeks, of 2.75%. Mm. Now, historically, when we're talking about high volatility, for the all odds, above 5% is one specific level, but certainly above 7%, it hasn't been unknown. So we are down at a fairly reasonable level. The ATRVE is also trading below its own moving average, which is showing that volatility is compressing. We've got a downtrend in volatility. And it also means that there are some lovely effects for the other sectors as well. Okay. Now let's talk about sectors. Uh, you've got a few bits and pieces. You're, you've got your hot and cold sectors, which comes out on your, and I'm, I'm looking at it here, and I'll just hold it up. The good thing about being on video is that I can show research. <laughs> hot, hot or not, three cold sectors to avoid at all costs and three hot sectors about to lead the next bull run. Do you want to run us through what, uh, what you've picked out here? Absolutely. So this is actually a special report that I haven't quite released yet because I've just written it. But I'm very excited to say that there are definite ways of being able to establish whether a sector is hot or cold or in limbo. So the way that we do that is using the relative strength comparison, the RSC mm. indicator. Not RSI. We, not RSI, exactly. So this is comparing the strength of one sector to the overall index. So the overall index that I've chosen is the All Lords. Mm -hmm. You could definitely use the ASX 200. There is almost a very similar look between those two. And the RSC isn't significantly different between those two either. So just work out which one you want to use. And you can use the RSC to compare each sector. But why not take the easy way out and get me to do that work for you? <laughs> so let's have a look at the sectors that are currently hot. So this means that they are achieving above the strength of the all odds. Yep. So the first one is energy. Now, I have this to say about energy. It is a clear winner. It is definitely hot. We've just seen a breakout above resistance within the energy chart as well with a fantastic blocky green candle finishing nearly at its own high. Yep. Now, I love that. That type of look as a breakout type of trade on a share chart, that's what you'd head for. So in a sector, that does reinforce the very hotness of this sector. But what we all also have let's combine it with volatility the volatility is up for this sector it is huge so that is something to take into consideration when you're looking at setting stops in the energy sector you may want to set them a little further away from the price action james yep. 
And what about a stop entry on those ones? I, I, it's something that I do. Not that, I, not that I, I, I stick to it because I try and first and foremost, I'm the investment guy and the wealth manager. So a lot of what I have is very long and sticky. If I make a move, it's going to be a big long move within the range of a few months to, to potentially years. Uh, but would you have a stop entry for a breakout on a, on a, on a pattern like this? So I'm looking at the energy, energy thinking that that's a pretty clear break above. Um, to be able to, to be able to just just automatically hit the buy triggers on that, and then automatically set a bracket around both sides of that order. Well, what you do is you'd actually run your scan, and ideally, if you're trading off weekly charts, you're looking to run your scan on the weekend, and anything that is in that energy sector would get some extra bonus brownie points. So you would be much more attracted to those type of trades to enter than anything else on your list. Yep. So that is something to take into consideration. Ideally, you'd be trading a hot share in a hot sector where the sector is outperforming that primary index. Okay. And what's the next uh, one that you've got? I'll tell you what, the next two that you've got don't spell amazing confidence to the market. They're pretty defensive areas, but defensive area, this is the idea of being invested and staying invested is that you don't buy the market as a whole. You pick the sector that's going to be going and then you just switch into that and you pick the stocks underlying it as well. So what's your next sector that you've got here that's hot? We've got utilities and we've also got communication services. Now, these are the codes XUJ and XTJ. And of course, energy is XEJ. So if you're looking them up on your charting package, you'll know the codes to use. So look, utilities and communication services. Yes, I've popped them down into the hot area, but let's be 100% open, James. There is no way they are as hot as energy. They're share price action if it was a share you wouldn't actually be attracted to to purchase so if you're not attracted to purchase it as a share then as an index or as a sector is that something you should really be looking into so you would want a screaming winner of a share in that sector to be able to be attracted to it we're going with a straight technical analysis view of these sectors so yes they are considered hot however when we look in more detail they are certainly not what you would really hope for in a beautiful bull market with a hot sector. So just just sort of hot by default, which is hot probably not as default. amazing as you want. Yeah, um, yes. which uh, is was actually my nickname in school. So the <laughs> let's talk about the the other side of the coin. Then um, now there's some great shorts in the market. I, I do do you encourage the, the going on the other side of it? I, I, I'm a former options trader, so I'm more of a I'd sell a call spread or, or go or go actively long a put or something on this. So, well, look, the evidence suggests that if you're actually shorting shares in particular, that that actually is to the detriment of your portfolio assessment and the performance of your portfolio. So I think be very careful if you're thinking about shorting individual shares. Okay. The way that you could use a cold sector is if you end up having a share to choose between one and another and you don't have enough equity to put into both. If it's in a cold sector, that would be considered from a weight of evidence point of view one that you wouldn't want to invest in. So I wouldn't short an equity in summary, mm. but I would use this as a part of my overall analysis about what to avoid in today's market. So let's have a look at those cold. What are we avoiding? Which I'm just trying to see what page I should be up to here. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so the current cold sectors, information technology, mm. XIJ, real estate, oh my goodness, XPJ, 
and consumer discretionary. So those three, just from a technical point of view, they are from a relative strength comparison aspect. They are trading underneath that relative strength comparisons moving average for a minimum of one week. But as we can see, when you actually go into the guts of those charts and have a look what's been happening, a lot of them have been trading under for quite a while. In fact, with the real estate aspect, we know that real estate has been dumping like a dog. So we're not surprised that is in the cold sector analysis for today. Yep. yep. Dumping, uh, I believe the expression this week is is being dumped quicker than Leonardo DiCaprio's date on her 26th birthday. The... <laughs> I did see that chart, actually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, so now that's we... a chart you could bank on, for sure. <laughs> Um, So if we look at real estate just in specific terms, just so that we've got a clear understanding about what we're talking about with dumping, we have a series of lower highs, which is, of course, the definition of a downtrend. Mm -hmm. We have action of the index below the moving average, and I think that speaks volumes. But we also have the RSC being underneath its own moving average, and that's been for many, many weeks. It's actually been from around February. So it has has been a leader in dragging our market down. Is that a 30-day exponential moving average that you've got on there? I'm using a 30-week exponential moving average. We're doing sector analysis as a broader concept because it's very important we don't get hooked on those individual vagaries of share price action flipping us in and out. This is a broader macro perspective, which I know you're a fan of, James, which is great to see. And we're looking to see the general direction, which really does require a weekly chart instead of a daily or a four-hour. Yeah, you want to you want to be you want to be taking a bigger step over a longer term for weekly too. And I, yeah, that's that's absolutely spot on. That you should be doing that too. Uh, this, I'm looking for a 200 day or 200 week. No, it's fine. You don't need that. That's right. Uh, okay, so that was that was real estate. We've seen to communicate. Sorry, um, tech. I mean, th- these aren't. It's pretty obvious when you think about it why they're being sold off, isn't it? They really are. You can absolutely see it. And it is as a worldwide trend. So we are not bucking the trend here in Australia. We are following the major market indices and major market sectors around the world. That includes things like the CAC and the DAX and the FTSE, all of these aspects from that big broad market perspective we are not absolutely outperforming any of them and it is good to keep that broad market perspective in consideration when you're making your Australian analysis because we're such a small part of the market we are that's true now in the last um, well I'm not going to say the last short but the last cold sector that you've got there is consumer discretionary I think they're coming off the back of a discussion that we had last week on this show with Gareth Aird head of Australian economics at the CBA that consumer discretionary probably isn't one of isn't going to be the sort of place that you want to have anything parked in. Mortgage uh, stress. I mean, if you talk about the fundamentals, technical is good, but there's a fundamental reason why these things are so weak at the moment. Um, mortgage stress really starting to to, to bite, um, uh, and an economy which is really starting to actually take that into consideration and tighten. Don't forget, we've also got the mortgage cliff or the mortgage peak, depending on which one you want to call it, of people on their fixed rate mortgages rolling into. Variable rate that hits at the end of the year. That's the, the, the biggest amount of that hits in about November this year. And, uh, and so then there's a bit of a two or three month sort of lag before people actually really start to see those numbers hit their, uh, hit their offset accounts or get taken out of their offset accounts and people really start to tighten their belts. So 
Um, markets usually think about six months ahead. And right now it's sort of thinking that maybe Christmas this year and the Boxing Day sales after that will be the last big hurrah for the Australian retail market. Consumer discretionary, I still wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Um, I think it's a valid point. And there is actually, even though it doesn't define that gig sector, but there there is actually a little bit more to be said with the cold sectors. So I'm going to talk in not the actual traditional sector here and just give you three others that also I wouldn't touch with a barge pole, James. We've got the small ords for the ASX, the small industrials and the small resources. Now, all of those areas are looking very, very shaky. We have got a definite technical cold sector on each of those areas, even though they don't quite qualify for that usual sector definition. Okay. Now, resources. So you can have it being cold. Resources is is where I think that there is a generational buying opportunity with regards to China waking up at the end of the year. I really do think so. uh, If I know myself and I do know myself, I will almost certainly be uh, at the busiest point of the year for some reason when that turnaround does happen and I usually am and I, I'm usually about two weeks late for it but when I get in I do get in and, and that'll be it I do believe that there'll be a copper is a huge buy on massive dips um, that can't be argued and iron ore on the back of a Chinese awakening as well what's your trigger potentially to have a look at at at, at getting that resources area the resource space obviously Australia big on copper big on lithium and obviously big on iron ore as well where's your Where's your, where's your buying opportunity? Do you have any triggers or buy signals in the in that resources area, or just yes. technically looking? Absolutely. So one of the things to notice with especially the small resources, which are technically less volume than some of the larger resources, we have quite a gappy index. Now that is interesting in itself. So this means we have to be on alert. Whenever we've got a gappy index, that is an unusual situation, and it does call for extra hyper vigilance on the part of the trader. So I would suggest you break down your archetypes, which is the perfect type of trade, that perfect share chart that Mm. you're heading for. You break it into three areas. You're looking for breakouts, ideally consolidation for a long period of time, using the measure rule, turning that consolidation on its side. You can get a bit of an idea about how far that trend is likely to continue. Mm -hmm. So that's the first archetype. The second archetype is a reset archetype. So this is after something has been trending up for a very long period of time. You've missed the first signal, but you still want in. So what it would have done is it would have created a bit of a sideways progression, maybe even a sell signal, but you're still a long way from that initial trend. And then you produce yourself another buy signal there. So it's like a reset because this trend has been going for quite a while. Now, in resources, if we're speaking in specific terms, it's unlikely you're going to get a reset, which brings us on to our third archetype. And this is one that you're looking out for, particularly in resources. I'm not going to say this across the sectors. This is particularly for resources. You're looking for a retracement trade archetype. This is in an existing uptrend. You're looking for a period of temporary weakness. And ideally, a bottom candlestick reversal pattern. You know that I love candles. A rising, like a rising star, I believe. Is is that the one? You could do like a hammer down the bottom, maybe an engulfing pattern. My goodness, you could choose from about 30 of the top candlestick patterns. I will will post some doji shapes onto the website as well. And and I've got a really good chart that, that, that explains really simple candle patterns as well. 
Um, It's always good just to keep on top of it. It is, and I do find candles are a beautiful trigger. They're not fantastic for a setup, mm. and you did hear it from the candlestick queen. Oh my gosh, I'm about to bag candles in some way. Yeah. But when I first wrote my book, The Secret of Candlestick Charting, nobody knew anything about them, and I brought that technique to Australia. So I am absolutely so far behind this technique of using it as a trigger. So don't use it as a setup. You want the primary trend to be in place and for you to use that candlestick to tell you to go now okay now uh we've uh, i'm running short on time here i want to make sure that it's nice and short and sharp so tell us about the trading game what is it what does it do uh how does it work and how do people get involved Sure. So I co-founded The Trading Game with my business partner, Chris Tate. We love helping our traders. It's really for anybody who's looking to improve their trading if they're already trading, or if they're a beginner, they can certainly come to us and we'll get them up to speed. So we look after our traders primarily by running our mentor program. So we love our traders that have been with us because it's a repeat for free course. This is going to be our 23rd year coming up for running the mental program. So we've been around a very, very long, long time. And because it's a repeat for free course, we've loved helping those people. We work for them for free in the end until they hit their goals. So come to visit me, tradinggame.com.au. Register for your free trading plan template. And you'll also get as a bonus, my free trading made simple five part e-course so that website again is tradinggame.com.au okay and i'll put a link to that on the website as well uh anything else to close off otherwise i'm going to wrap it up Louis. i'm loving it good on you james keep up the good work okay thank you very much for joining us uh you can find us on itunes at the bip show or wherever you get your podcasts or whatever it is that you're doing uh anything that i put onto the website it's under wheel and capital so uh louise any of any of this stuff is going to be linked onto there as well some uh, some bits and pieces and i'll make sure that i link to the trading game uh through there too i am at james wheelan 42 on twitter louise have you got a twitter i do i think just come to my website though much easier tradinggame.com.au no problem at all uh this show was produced actually by well it it appears this show has been produced by louise bedford so thanks very much for, for joining us Louise Bedford of The Trading Game, uh, and I I think that's about it. Magic. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.